Welcome to a movie bracket here on the Intercut Podcast channel. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he stole fire from the gods and gave it to man. It's Arturo Zurita. Now there's a motion picture about it, so everyone will know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Christopher Nolan, a man who loves to assemble an all-star cast. And for our Christopher Nolan movie bracket, we decided Ooh. to do the same. We're joined by not just Karsten Runquist, but Taylor J. Williams as well. A couple of our favorite YouTube buddies to talk about Nolan. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Let's start out the way we like to start a lot of these movie po uh, po or movie bracket podcasts by talking about the purpose of the bracket and what we're diving into and the, the subject at hand, which is Christopher Nolan back in theaters with Oppenheimer. He's built a reputation for himself as being one of our premier blockbuster filmmakers, our epic scale directors. Karsten, to you, what is a Christopher Nolan movie? What are the defining characteristics or, or adjectives or, or themes or just vibes that you get off of a Christopher Nolan movie? I mean, in the simplest way of describing it, it's big, it's loud, and sometimes very confusing. Uh, and it, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think when I think about his movies. It's usually like the biggest thing uh, that's playing in theaters at, when it's out. Absolutely. Um, like, I, I feel like you can say that all of them overwhelm you with various yeah, aspects yeah. of their, their telling, whether it's like <laughs> j just technically overwhelming or even the way yeah. that the story is put together. Uh, Taylor, how about you? Are, are there certain defining features of a Christopher Nolan movie to you? Yeah, I think um, Christopher Nolan is sort of a man torn between worlds. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's sort of impossible to talk about him without acknowledging the the reputation he's had over the years that he's sort of broken out of a little more recently, but the, the notion of dumb person's idea of a smart person. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, of course, a very, like, reductive um, sentiment. But it kind of makes sense when you look at, like, how he chooses his subject matter and and themes of like time dilation and dreams and stuff um things that um I, I wouldn't say themselves are like all that deep or philosophical in and of themselves but mm -hmm. um he uses them as tools to to scientifically concoct the perfect you know gold <laughs> standard blockbuster film mm -hmm. and so i i think that um is sort of why he has this like college dorm poster reputation um but i also think he he longs for more um in in so many of his movies he uh he shows his characters looking at like cubist paintings and and post-war art um particularly picasso in oppenheimer and i think he's sort of torn between making populist entertainment you know blockbuster films which he's so good at um and also making more i don't know abstract work and um i think what he does with time and and staggering different timelines is not dissimilar to how uh artists like picasso sort of warp um like i don't know logically it's you know why is this nose and profile on a face that's straightforward you know whatever but emotionally it makes sense um that's what i think christopher nolan 
is doing with time, uh, which I, I think is a very calculated move on his part. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to him as this like exacting, like scientific filmmaker in a world of artists. Um, Absolutely. I think Oppenheimer's very much getting at that. Um, and I think all of his films have this through line of the sort of alienation he feels like being this creative genius, so to speak. Um, alienation from his family, alienation from his peers, um, almost as though the very act of filmmaking is a duty of his. Um, and that's he, what I he think connects the like, burden heavily. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so I, I think the single defining chris nolan moment is that clip of him at the m&m concert where (laughs) you know it's this very like normal thing you would never expect christopher nolan to be there and to his credit like he looks like he's having a good time but he's just such a a robot he like can't function like a normal person or engage with it the same way everyone else around him can and i think um there's a real longing there that's that's buried in his films so that to me is is christopher nolan yeah christopher nolan not a stranger to uh the occasional hip-hop collaboration art you know his his work with travis scott very well Well, not fully i didn't get to hear it in in concert (laughs) Uh, but i want to return to that idea of like the the a stupid person's idea of a smart person because that is totally like especially I feel like middle period that became Nolan's reputation because he has this habit of presenting these ideas that maybe like seem um, scientific or philosophical as if they're very deep and profound when obviously there's only like a little bit of or only an extent to the depth that he's able to present in the movies and I've come sort of around on like my my view of Nolan's like I guess intelligence and the intelligence he, imbues, he puts into his films and that I think he is like a very smart person but he's Absolutely. like trying to communicate these uh, ideas, as you mentioned, in these populist uh, in these populist mediums, and, and reducing them down to ideas that might be palatable to wide audiences. So he, you know, you have these films that are big pieces of entertainment and some of the most impressive blockbuster filmmaking that we have around, uh, but they they touch on pretty fascinating subjects and pretty uh, out there scientific ideas. Like there's just. I really appreciate how he is sort of challenging, uh, I guess, making empty entertainment, even if the entertainment isn't necessarily like the most political or or thought provoking in that sense. You know, Oppenheimer kind of shifts this uh, or or signals this sort of outlier for him. And that's the one film where it really feels like he's taking some kind of. Um, political stance whereas he's been very apolitical even when he touches on stuff in like the dark night um, but it's it's interesting to see how he's the things that have remained consistent throughout his films and the things that have changed uh, Arturo there's different sort of like periods of Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker is there a certain section of his work that you maybe feel like you resonate with the the most is it that uh, middle period when he's doing a lot of the big blockbuster stuff is it early stuff when he was a little bit more uh, restrained or more recently when he's 
shifted to collaborating with Jennifer Lame, and it kind of feels like he's reached a new level of cross-cutting abilities. Leaving uh, his boy behind and getting, uh, what's the <laughs> name, uh, Johansson. Um, I like him right before the bombs. Uh, Ludwig, think, leaving Hans behind, you were saying, yeah. With Ludwig, yeah. yeah. I think right before he was doing all the bomb trailer inception moments, I think he was reaching that high point. I love Memento, Nolan. I mm-hmm. like Prestige. Those are like my two favorites. And uh, I, I agree, it always feels like Carson was saying, it's the biggest movie that's going to be in the theaters because it's like, this is the one guy who's the whole machine. He is not, he is the franchise. He is the item. He is like the entire thing for whatever he's doing. Uh, and I think that's why people put him to such an esteem. And to go off what Taylor was saying, I feel like the the closest person you can kind of connect him to when you become s- so big is like a Spielberg where people love you, but then people also like hate that they love you. Uh, so it becomes this thing like you guys were saying where it's like, oh, he's, he thinks he's smarter than he is. Mm-hmm. And then, like, recently you see everybody going back on their Interstellar watches, and it's like either the movie got smarter or people got more <laughs> open to it. So it's like, again, ironically, this guy who does so much about time has this bit about time going with him. And if I may add another Eminem reference to go with it as well, <laughs> as Taylor brought up. Eminem once said, you know, I made an album and you guys didn't like it. Ten years later, you call it a classic. So if you don't like this new one, just wait ten years, you'll call it a classic <laughs> then, too. So I think sometimes with Nolan, it just takes some time, but he's endured. So I think he's an everlasting director for sure. Absolutely. So uh, let's start to get into our bracket. And uh, the films are assembled in a way that I don't usually do. I like to go chronologically, but I've been peer pressured. I've been bullied. I've been mocked and I've changed my stance and I uh, assembled the matchups from top to bottom in terms of popularity according to Letterboxd. So don't blame me. Blame the users over on Letterboxd. Uh, We are going from the most popular Chris Nolan film, which would be Interstellar, to his least popular uh, film, which is uh, Tarantella. It might seem like it's Larceny, but Larceny is completely unavailable screened one time i think it was at the cambridge film festival in 1996 lost to history we won't be uh commenting on that but we will be commenting on several films directed and occasionally uh written or produced by christopher nolan uh we have assembled the 12 features he's directed the one that he's got a story by credit on um and the three short films that he has publicly available into our uh, 16 Christopher Nolan, the 16 film deep Christopher Nolan bracket. A lot of great films here, a lot of interesting things to talk about as well. Why don't we kick it off with the first matchup, which is, as I mentioned, Interstellar versus Tarantella. Tarantella, a film that Christopher Nolan directed back in 1989. I think he was around 19 years old then. So a very early work, pre-film school even, and uh, kind of a, you know, trippy uh, vibes movie shot in black and white. Taylor, I know you're doing a lot of work in short films now. What do you think about uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, statement piece? Um, I, I think my favorite thing about it is that um, it's so experimental for so much of it. And then yeah. Christopher Nolan himself shows up. And then <laughs> as soon as he enters the film, he starts doing all this reverse stuff. And 
you know, dropping a wine glass in reverse and cutting to it, <laughs> uh, mirror image. And then as soon as he, he dips from the film, it goes right back into the, the normal, uh, sort of less Nolan esque MO. Um, and so you can, you can see that early DNA, um, even at 19, um, <laughs> which is pretty impressive to yeah. sort of have, the, uh, have a through line that, um, tracks that far back. Absolutely. Um, Carson, were you also impressed with his experimental eye at such a young age? I, w- I was not that impressed. I was interested. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, for the same reasons Taylor said, like, I think, I think it's like interesting seeing him this early on and actually like, I mean, yeah, I'll give it that. It's like impressive that he's stayed so consistent <laughs> at wow. making no sense. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't, uh, have as much fun with this one which is definitely not his intent but yeah uh, i mean it's definitely the amateurishness definitely comes through uh but you know fun to see the the roots of one of our big filmmakers so i think uh we can agree that interstellar should win that matchup at least Mm -hmm. uh let's go to a couple films that are in the middle of chris nolan's popularity that would be batman begins versus the dark knight rises probably the lesser two from his Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, I don't think most people don't argue that either of these films are uh, the best. Is there one from this group that you think should advance? Uh, Arturo, you want to start us off? Batman Begins. I think there's a there's a small but ever-growing community of people who enjoy Batman Begins over the Dark Knight. (laughs) Hmm. The, oh, roots, the Dark Knight. The roots of the character. <laughs> oh, over the Dark Knight. I think there are people who really do like Batman Begins. No, there, there I, definitely I, are. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I would also put it over the Dark Knight Rises because you know, Rises is my least favorite out of, the, out of the trilogy, personally. Carson, do you agree is that the is Dark Knight Rises the worst of the three? I would say so. I don't dislike it, but I mm-hmm. I do see what Arturo is saying. Like, I have a bit of a soft spot for Batman Begins for some mm-hmm. reason. There's like, I like the way he does, like the early origin stuff it feels yeah. i don't know I, I i did not see it when it came out at the time i didn't really care but i can it just feels so different compared to a lot of superhero movies even today like there's some charm about it that i don't think the dark knight rises really has i don't i, I yeah, yeah but it doesn't have bane <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's the only thing it's Which is why we can hear the whole movie throughout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Taylor? Any love for The Dark Knight Rises? Um, yeah, I got to say it's also my least favorite of the three. Hey. Um, yeah, I think we can come to a unanimous agreement here. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, at least for Batman Begins... The, the one thing I, I think it has over the other two movies is the actual production design of Gotham City. It actually mm-hmm. feels like Talk a, about it. A, a gothic fictional place and not just like Chicago. Chicago. With <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I get his approach to like, you know, each movie is kind of its own thing. He wants it to have a distinct identity. Um, Tim Burton did the same thing. But I do think it's just so, like, off-putting how much the the landscape of Gotham changes across the three movies, <laughs> mm, and, and I do think Batman <laughs> Begins is is the the only one that really like taps into its roots, for me at least. That's true. 
I, definitely, I think definitely. that's a big reason why people love it is because like he created it all in a soundstage, like from the ground up. So you weren't really in another town, but it is. It goes from like the sewers and a train line going all over, and they're like, okay, we keep the train line as the loop, but now it's Chicago, and now there's bridges, <laughs> right. and it's like, you know what? Forget all the bridges. I think it was like Philly. Now it's an island. Mm-hmm. So it does. It does evolve a lot. Yeah. I will give The Dark Knight Rises this. I enjoyed it significantly more on a more recent rewatch than I did when I saw it many years ago. Like, obviously, there are some, like, bloated, ridiculous aspects with the characters. I'm not sure that the way it resolves feels like it... uh, feels like it makes sense or works in any way but there are some really like terrific fantastic set pieces the whole opening where they are hijacking something from one plane to the next and like carrying the plane by like its tail is is ridiculous the whole moment with the football field collapsing behind Heinz Ward is like one of the most iconic <laughs> shots that I can think of I, I just enjoy it it's definitely campier and more ridiculous that Bane performance is is hilarious uh, and a lot easier to hear at home than it was in the theaters. But yeah, I, I still think Batman Begins is probably the better of the, the Robin ones. reveal was when I started to stop <laughs> trusting him. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, Dunkirk versus Insomnia. Insomnia, the third film uh, that Christopher Nolan made and Dunkirk, the film he made three ago, I guess. Uh, I actually just rewatched Insomnia recently and I, I found a lot to really enjoy about it that I hadn't picked up on my watch many, many uh, years ago. I just really enjoy uh, Al Pacino's performance, particularly seeing him sort of unravel as the circumstances circumstances on him sort of weigh down on him. The uh, enduring the lack of sleep because the constant sunshine and a lot of good performances in that one it is maybe a little bit of like a stereotypical cop thriller compared to a lot of the stuff Nolan does still really enjoyable still really well done I'm not going to vote for it over Dunkirk but want to give it a little bit of shout out I don't know if anybody else uh, particularly likes Insomnia Carson I feel like I saw that you gave it a positive uh, rating on uh, Letterboxd, at least. Yeah, I I really like Insomnia, and I've I only watched it because I was trying to complete the Nolan thing for my ranked video, but mm-hmm. it's really stuck with me. And when I look at his entire filmography up until Oppenheimer, like it's one of the few Nolan films that made me feel something very strongly. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it's very. I think I personally just get very unsettled by. <laughs> lack of sleep and just watching him like drift into basically delirium is just so cool and uh uncomfortable and and i love the ending uh so i don't know i i felt more watching insomnia than i did dunkirk but i i it's been a while since i've seen dunkirk so i can't really speak too much about it i i think it's technically more interesting and well made than insomnia but i have a soft spot for that movie did you put insomnia (laughs) higher than dunkirk on your rankings i definitely did not but i might nowadays (laughs) Um, yeah i mean i don't know i i will not die for yeah go ahead yeah yeah. I, i i would still vote dunkirk for the record but yeah yeah i feel like insomnia tends to show up either at the bottom or close to the bottom of of most people's nolan rankings which is a, yeah. a bit of a shame because it is uh, pretty solid uh taylor i don't know if uh that's the case for you as well yeah so i only just watched it for the first time a couple days ago oh, that was my my one blind spot um before this and like yeah it's it's a solid uh 
a movie kind of riffing on seven a little bit um mm-hmm. but i i think the reason it like ranks so low on on so many people's lists uh including my own is that uh it it just has so little uh like christopher nolan dna i think it's his one like venture into being just like a a hollywood journeyman Mm -hmm. um you know he had no director for hire involvement in the story it was a a remake um and i think you know it it sort of enabled him to make batman begins and like allowed studios to trust him with that kind of budget and and capacity um but i do think it's very much a stepping stone to get to the other spots in his career um and I think I, I've seen people call his first three films a noir trilogy. I think that's almost uh, happenstantial more than anything. I don't know if like he was just really into noir at the time, but I think um, even following, which is also pretty low on my list, but um, especially Memento, just have so much more like I don't know. You can see his interests so like radically shaping the yeah. narrative a little more insomnia, of his personality inflects the films yeah i think insomnia he's just doing a job and again mm-hmm. he's he's such a skilled craftsman that it is still a solid pulpy flick and yeah al pacino gives one of the great tired performances and even <laughs> robin williams i thought was really unsettling in the movie mm-hmm. but um definitely picking dunkirk over yeah. insomnia yeah, I loved whenever we would get uh, Robin Williams in that more dramatic mode. Uh, but yeah. I think Dunkirk is the Dunkirk choice for sure. here. There's uh, one let's... line in Insomnia for the behind yeah. the scenes. I don't know if you've heard it where he asks uh, Al Pacino to do something. And Al Pacino's like, I already did that. He goes, no, it's like, look this way. And like, look down. He goes, check the dailies. I've yeah. already done them. And then Christopher <laughs> Nolan goes, I checked the dailies. It was already in there. It's just like the imagine of a director going, oh my gosh, I never saw he did the move. Yeah. So yeah, very young. But like imagine getting those two that early in your career. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Got good performances out of them both. Uh, also, uh, Hilary Swank and uh, what was uh, Maura Tierney. A lot of people in that movie. Anyway. Uh, Oppenheimer versus following Arturo. You ever follow somebody just for the thrill? Uh, into Oppenheimer, I did. I just <laughs> okay, wanted to cool. see what the reactions to the movie was going to be. Uh, Taylor, I-, I feel like you're the lowest on Oppenheimer out of all of us. W- would you go following above it? I wouldn't. I, as lukewarm as I am on Oppenheimer, which I, I don't dislike Oppenheimer mm-hmm. by any means, but um, I-, I just didn't feel that much after it for reasons we can probably discuss more as we we go along the bracket um Mm -hmm. following i respect a lot and you can see again not so much like the time stuff for nolan maybe a little bit but more so his knack for um i don't know tangibility and and um yeah i've heard him talk about how he wanted no guns in the film because guns always look phony in independent films and I think that sort of speaks to his recent reliance on practical effects especially Mm -hmm. in Oppenheimer Um, so I think that's the the main thing that stands out for me in following but um, I I don't think it's an amazing movie on its own Um, Mm -hmm. again I I think it's more just him 
cultivating his his arsenal. Yeah. So I, I still go Oppenheimer over. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, we were talking about how there's certain things that uh, run through a lot of his films, and you do get a little bit of that, like, time manipulation stuff that he likes to do in the differing timelines, sort of uh, going back and forth. An uh, early bit of that here, but it's something that was clearly, like, much more refined and motivated by the time we got to Memento. It, it's yeah. fascinating to vi- visit following after sort of looking at the ways that Nolan would develop that instinct. But yeah, I don't know if it holds up necessarily that well on its own. It's pretty good. And the ending I think still hits, but um, I, yeah, Oppenheimer is for me, the pretty clear choice here. I don't know if uh, Karsten, you have much about much to say about following either. Not much to say. No. Yeah. All right, <laughs> cool. Uh, so why don't we go into our next matchup, which is the dark Knight versus Doodlebug. Doodlebug. Carson, I know you have a lot to say about Doodlebug. <laughs> It's Batman's greatest enemy yet. Um, I don't... I have nothing to say about Doodlebug. I thought it was fun. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I love shit like that. It's like... I, I keep referencing the ending of Men. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to like bring that movie up, but... I just love bits where it like keeps going. And Doodlebug yeah. is able to do that in just like two minutes. And... Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. It gets. I didn't. I went on Letterbox and people like shit on this movie, and it's not bad. It's like a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I mean, all I have to say about Doodlebug. <laughs> the biggest thing is it's probably just a victim of where amateur special effects were in that day and age, right? Like it's made yeah. in. 1996 7 I think it was when he was still in film school and it's like very very amateurly green screened or something so it looks a little bit bizarre but the idea is solid I like that look honestly (laughs) I think it looks better than if it was trying to be cleaner (laughs) that believable yeah I think it's it's definitely funnier yeah Uh, Arturo Um, uh, have you ever had a doodlebug situation at home uh this is the one where it's like uh He's he's trying to kill the bug, and then yeah. maybe the, without spoiling, doodle bug for people. Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's never happened to me personally. Yeah, don't or you hate it many times? Yeah. Uh, but Taylor, I liked what you were saying about this before we started. Uh, that you see the influence that this eventually has on his uh, the way he's thinking thinking about movies. Yeah, I feel like he's he's the only person who can really get away with this sort of uh thing because like every i don't know amateur youtube short film is some sort of like closed loop thing and mm-hmm. it feels like i don't know almost self-parody for him to <laughs> kind of to yeah. do something like that but it's just such a goofy movie i feel like he's he's aware of how like I don't know, silly the the concept is, while still kind of... I don't know, I, I think of all these shorts um, as, like, sketches for what's to come, not really functioning in their own right, but, like... Mm-hmm. Testing out yeah, ideas. Again, yeah, exactly, and that's the... Uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I just have this image of Christopher Nolan in a little workshop, um, <laughs> sort of like we'll see in Quay. Um, but But these are the kinds of sketches i imagine he's like you know figuring all this stuff out for i'm sure there are like 50 doodle bugs that no one will ever see that he made in Easily. preparation for tenet exactly in preparation for doodle bug <laughs> doodle bug is the the 
the product of much testing and experimentation. <laughs> <laughs> and all the best around the world. Yeah. Is this the one that also has got like the ticking clock? Or is that one of the other shorts? Cause it's I think like, that was... Uh, it's got some clocks, I think. That, that's all of the stuff, right? I think Tarantella had the more prominent clocks, though. Yeah, because mm. it's like also almost like the score. It's like a... I was like, oh, you man, you've had this for Dunkirk for a while already. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, he knows what he likes. Speaking of the ticking clock, uh, Man of Steel versus Tenant. Uh, Arturo, I think you are the biggest Zack Snyder defender amongst us, and uh, that was Nolan's <laughs> handpicked man right to take over the, the Superman franchise. He got a story by credit on this film, aside from uh, producing it as well, but uh, do you think it's better than Tenet? Uh, no. Uh, it is interesting though that he ended up being a producer him and his wife for all like the Snyder stuff all the way to mm-hmm. the end for the cut but I mean it's still not him fully in there and I think Tenet is him being as wacky as possible we were having an argument when we did the bracket with the, the patrons about this being his 007 movie which I still stand by because that's what he said he wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, but obviously he gets all of his like sci-fi with it and to this day I don't think anyone on this bracket can explain what the hell he was doing in Tenet. <laughs> Other than, you know what? Don't think about it, just vibe. And I think that's the yeah. best thing that happened with Tenet. Because I think even with Interstellar, you know, people were saying, oh, you're too hokey. And then with Dunkirk, they were like, oh, okay, he's a very serious filmmaker. Tenet came in and he fought for it so hard that by the time people saw it, they felt like it was like a duty to see it. I think it almost like prepped them for this duty that was to go see Oppenheimer and Barbie mm-hmm. together. But for Tenet, that idea of just vibing with the movie was something that people didn't really associate with Nolan, and he's been using that phrase a lot for Oppenheimer as well. And uh, I can't one, one one of these two had said like he's just shifted gears into being in like this third wave of his career where he's kind of becoming the cooler director mm-hmm. and not the like I am the director and I am maniacal on set. I think a lot of the stories from his actors and everybody has been like he's actually really chill for someone who makes movies as meticulous as Tenet, where the score is forwards and backwards and mm-hmm. he's putting a plane into a building. So. <laughs> Uh, no, I can see Tenet just growing the farther away we are from it. That is that one that, like, 10 years down the line, we're going to yeah. rewatch. We're going to be like, oh, yeah, he, like, he was future-proofing this movie. So, definitely. Sure. Uh, Karsten, do you see Christopher Nolan's influence in Man of Steel? <laughs> I'll come clean. I haven't seen Man of Steel. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> Did fine. Not, didn't have time to watch it for this. Did not... <laughs> <laughs> Only but, adjacently Nolan related, so that's yeah. right. Sense. Right, I didn't think it had how'd a you chance. Get to it, wa- how'd you get I, to watch Black Adam? How'd you understand it? I know. <laughs> hey, I was lost <laughs> in that. Uh, no, but I I do really like Tenet. I kind of yeah. want to toss it over to Taylor because you did this video like comparing it to Wes Anderson's career and like the French Dispatch, which I thought was like really brilliant and i'm not gonna ask you to like repeat it but i think it like made me (laughs) appreciate tenet a lot more even though i already did i was like Mm -hmm. i think because i went into it expecting to be confused and to just kind of enjoy the spectacle of it and totally and just like step inside christopher nolan's mind for a bit (laughs) like it was uh I, I thought, like, technically incredible. I loved... I mean, yep. this, people will say what they have to say about the sound mix, but I, I think it's... <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> I like just how soaked oh, yeah. in itself it is. Like, I don't know. I, I really... I can I can vibe with Tenet on the right day. But Did anyone get to see it in theaters? 
I saw no? it at um, Museum of the Moving Image. They played oh, it you two bastard. years ago on 70. It's pretty oh. nice. Oh, wow. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Speak on it, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> it, it was great. I mean, prior to that, I just watched the, the cam rip everyone else watched. Um, <laughs> or I guess web rip. Um, so it, it was... I don't know. It was very immersive. Um, it, honestly, watching it at home, I was like, what are people talking about? I can hear everything fine. Right. I'm sure that was just how my speakers were calibrated because watching it at Museum of the Moving Image, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I. <laughs> it's all just a, a soup right now. I can't make out anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I think Tenet is like, you know, we were talking about all these concepts he gestures to in his films that sort of seem deeper than they are and for for a long time the sort of Nolan arc was like people were frustrated about that and people were sort of I don't know angry that people found his films so deep when it's like very surface level but Mm -hmm. I think Tenet is pointing to like it's not that it's it's surface level it's that he's not asking us to look any deeper into them um and it's a purely aesthetic experience. And I think um, Tenet is kind of a a self-justification. But, I, you know, usually that term kind of lends itself to insecurity. But I think in Tenet's case, like, the movie is kind of, like, the proof is in the pudding. It, mm-hmm. it makes a strong enough case for itself while sort of explicitly uh, justifying his other films retroactively. Um, I don't know. I love Tenet. It's it's shot up my my Nolan rankings quite Same. a bit. Absolutely, I'm I'm completely Tenet pilled. And yeah. uh, just to, to continue <laughs> on on this train of thought, you know, we, we're talking about how it's a vibes movie and it it can be confusing and like that's sort of the de- the reputation that it's developed. But I think that like speaking to what Taylor is talking about, it's it's not particularly confusing until you really try to piece it apart and if you just sort of let it wash over you if you sort of let the the urgency of the dialogue rather than the specific words that they're saying inform how you're feeling it it does sort of make a kind of sense right like it's really simple it's forward and then it's backward and if you want to get more into the details that's when you might have a worse time with that movie but if you're just kind of appreciating it for like the the sequences that are being put together it's so much fun and it's to me it's become one of my favorite nolan movies um, you need a better lead i'm sorry john david washington he's got the looks <laughs> but he ain't got the swag of his daddy dude he, he ordered his hot sauce an hour, an hour ago yes thank you taylor <laughs> oh my uh, god <laughs> all right so tenet will beat man of steel there uh let's go <laughs> to a matchup between a couple early nolan selections memento versus the prestige i was pretty surprised to see that at least according to uh letterboxd popularity Liars that The Prestige is his least popular feature film outside of following. I I thought it had uh, a bigger reputation than that. To me, it's probably like the hipster choice for Nolan's best movie. You know, you don't often hear people say that it is, but there are people who will defend very strongly uh, The Prestige against everything else he's done. Uh, Arturo, you were saying that these are a couple of your favorites from Chris Nolan. So are you going to go with Memento? You're going to go with I'd, Prestige. I didn't the bracket right here. Memento Prestige is best <laughs> movies. I don't know why they're going up against each other. Or how it's the least one when Prestige has Wolverine and 
a Batman in it. It makes no uh, sense. It makes absolutely no sense. I'm going to blame you for it. Uh, <laughs> but between Memento and The Prestige, I think I'm going to go Memento today because, yeah, I think it's his best movie. Uh, well, <laughs> no said. <laughs> uh, anybody going to b- b- defend the prestige in this matchup, or are we all going with Memento? I, yeah. I like the prestige a bit more, to be honest. Ooh, and talk look, about it. I can't even argue with that. <laughs> David Bowie? <laughs> I, I just... It's again. It's been a while since I've seen Memento. I really liked it when I saw it, but mm-hmm. and this might sound terrible, but like it's kind of like a toy that I played with and had fun figuring out and thinking about a little. But I just I don't I don't see it as that uh, interesting next to the rest of his work. It's like the way we were talking about following or like some of the shorts where it's like it just seems like he the first film where he really figured out what he was doing and pulled it off. But like he's made that work so much better in the like in other movies whereas the prestige Mm -hmm. i'm like it's just fun it's like really compelling performances um i don't know i can't really i mean i (laughs) i'm gonna pass it on to taylor here but (laughs) (laughs) i I just enjoy watching that movie more than memento i guess uh fair (laughs) uh taylor you Um, agree no, I'm I'm putting Memento over the Prestige. I do God like the Prestige, it. though. <laughs> Sorry, um, I I think Memento is like a milestone for him, and that he finally sort of cracked the the time stuff. And and it's such a simple film, but it's like I don't know. He's taken that framework and extrapolated it into all his other films, and I think Memento is kind of the real genesis for nolan um yeah i think the prestige i think as the batman trilogy was going along he also had this staggered other trilogy that's kind of all about uh making movies the prestige inception and interstellar uh maybe interstellar a little less so but i think Mm -hmm. those three movies are all very like self-reflexive and about the process itself whereas you know batman or the the Dark Knight trilogy were all just sort of standalone products of that mindset and that process. Um, and I think the Prestige also has this sort of underlying Cold War subtext that um, I don't even think Nolan was aware of how fixated on on those tensions he would become uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the most interesting aspects about it looking back. But um, I don't know. Memento is just such a, a tight, clean film. Um, I, I got to pick it over The Prestige. Yeah. Um, I'm also going with Memento, but I do really love The That's Prestige. That's right. I, I think it's a just such a fascinating uh, and unique feeling film, too. You know, the way he's able to... I mean, he, he is obsessed with this idea of the 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 subject of the movie informing the form of the movie right and like the way memento is sort of shaped around uh the short-term memory loss of its central character this film being shaped around the idea of a magic trick with its different twists and turns and uh it, it just ends up really working i think well here uh, there's always like it's just it has a really innate ability to catch you off guard and i think his writing is just very like precise and 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 fun uh here the performances are all all great 
it's a nice marrying of his ability to like expand his scope in terms of his production design and uh, give you these really like fully realized worlds, but still kind of uh, give you characters that feel, you know, be beyond just their surface that feel uh, like they're informed by a lot of backstory. And I don't know. I like the prestige. I, I need to rewatch it again. Fantastic. Memento. That's, that's a classic right there. All right. So our last, what, uh, yeah. what, um, Taylor was saying about his like trilogy of movies. You were you had mentioned uh, prestige, right? Because this whole idea of like how you do the magic trick, and I think to this day he quotes it like that prestige aspect of it. People want to sit down, but they don't want to know the trick. They just want to go with it. I think that's something he's used for the rest of his career. You then mentioned Inception, that idea of like he is a director, all everybody around him is helping him set the sign, yada yada yada. You don't know how you get into a dream the same way you don't know how in a movie you end up in a scene. Instead of Interstellar, Zach and I would put Oppenheimer on that bit because we have the, this whole approach to the idea of the director of Los Alamos hiring everybody around him to be on this set to create something. So right. I, that's just what I wanted to toss in there. I, I do agree with you. I think he's had that through line. Um, and then when we get back to the second round, I, I you had mentioned something about like it's always been about his family. I 100% agree with that as well. But I just want to add that, the Oppenheimer so- one in there. Yeah, definitely still a lot more to get into with Christopher Nolan. Uh, But our last first round matchup is between Inception and Quay, the only documentary short that he uh, is attached to. Uh, Interesting profile of the Quay brothers, who I didn't know about prior to watching this documentary. They make these uh, very unsettling, creepy, uh, stop-motion animated films. Uh, Interesting to see him kind of lend his talents to a a different form, and there's certainly elements, particularly in, like, uh, the pacing and score, where you kind of feel maybe Christopher Nolan's touch on it, but beyond that, it's not really something that uh, it feels particularly uh, Nolan-esque. I don't know if you had any uh, other reactions to the documentary short Arturo. No, I wish it was shot a little bit better because that man was walking around like, <laughs> like he had just bought tickets to the tour and he was just like filming things to show people at home. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I, uh, Carson or Taylor, you have anything to say about the short, but I think we can uh, let Inception win this matchup here. Yeah, I think watching Quay, I, I wasn't really sure what about it attracted Nolan. I mean, they're they're interesting artists Kinda, yeah. and their their process is very interesting, but watching it it was a little hard to see what like i don't know Why? called to nolan but i think um it reminded me a little bit of the documentary uh paul thomas anderson did about um johnny greenwood and him uh it making this album yeah yeah I, I forget the title uh janoon um, yeah janoon and so in in janoon there's this uh, sort of through line of like all the birds flying around. Um, and it's almost like, uh, <laughs> you know, the um, I, I think it's one of the first Family Guy episodes. And there's this cutaway <laughs> where like Peter's filming Stewie riding his, his tricycle for the first time. And then he gets sidetracked and it turns into the American Beauty plastic bag <laughs> uh, shot. I feel like that's what was going on with with PTA and the birds in Janoon and I think you kind of see Christopher Nolan doing that with with the clocks in the studio <laughs> in Quay like he just can't help himself he sees a clock and he's got to throw it in 
Uh, man loves timepieces for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, Inception will win that matchup, and we'll get into the next round of our Nolan bracket uh, with Interstellar versus Batman Begins. Arturo, are you going to go with Batman Begins over the most popular Christopher Nolan movie? No, nah, it's got to be Interstellar. For the love, yeah. baby. <laughs> it's the more powerful than time or any other force in the universe. Uh, yeah, I, feel, I have a feeling neither none of us are going to go with Batman Begins over Interstellar, unless I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. All right, so Interstellar will take... Oh, the bracket went weird. Interstellar takes that matchup. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we'll move on to Dunkirk versus... Oppenheimer. Wow. All right, uh, Taylor, now's your chance to, to yeah, slander I know I'm gonna the get... name of J. Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> I know I'm going to get pummeled in this round, so I'll, <laughs> I'll say my piece on Dunkirk, um, which I would put over Oppenheimer. Um, I think in the same way Memento like set such a like simple foundation for his formal approach going forward, mm-hmm. um, Dunkirk is like this breath of fresh air, uh, you know, for a while there he was on this streak of like each movie outdoing the last in terms of scope and spectacle and you know Dunkirk's definitely a, a big abrasive movie but it's so minimalistic and stripped down compared to everything else mm-hmm. um and like the the formal approach of it just the the three intersecting timelines of different lengths um is just like I feel like that's the cleanest demonstration of his approach with time dilation and stuff and mm-hmm. sort of what I was talking about earlier um, where he's basically doing with time what the cubists were doing with you know space and two-dimensional lines um, and so that's why I value Dunkirk I remember when it came out I was like man do we really need another World War II movie because mm-hmm. um, I, I thought we were kind of done with World War II movies in general and the genre was just gonna be put to bed, which of course it never will, but um, mm-hmm. it also like the the gimmick of Dunkirk wasn't really advertised, so as soon as, you know, I sat down and it's just like three simple title cards that explain the whole time process or whatever mm-hmm. that's when it all like it clicked, I got what about this subject Christopher Nolan it was drawn to and mm-hmm. I also think it ushered in this this period of um, I mean I, I call it a period it's mostly just Dunkirk and Tenet but I I think he's much stronger as like a, a formalist rather than like a character writer and I think a lot of the more pathos heavy films of his um, kind of fall flat a little bit for me I mean I, I like all his movies but I mm-hmm. think um Dunkirk and Tenet were him sort of accepting like you know characters are just holding me back just pure technique yeah and they've they've both shot up my my ranking quite a bit um Mm -hmm. Tenet a little more so than Dunkirk but I I just admire the the minimalism of Dunkirk compared to everything else in his filmography uh, I agree with Taylor about mm-hmm. it until Oppenheimer came in and he just <laughs> surprised me with being able to write a character. I think it's the best performance he's gotten out of an individual in all of the movies in this bracket. So I'm going Oppenheimer. <sighs> I agree with Taylor as well. Uh, and I think I'm going to go Dunkirk. 
Um, I Whoa. love Oppenheimer, but I, there is something about the way that Dunkirk feels like it's refined the strengths of Nolan as a filmmaker and just streamlined them in, in a way that best suits his talents. Uh, the whole construction of it, which to me is almost like a response to the conveniences that other action films have where the right heroes show up at exactly the right time and, and, and it all feels a little bit like preordained in a way that makes it fictional. He's sort of trying to solve that problem through, through that structure and give each bit of it it's it's due in this thing that becomes this kind of uh sweeping cacophony of war i, I just love the presentation of it i also really love that dunkirk specifically is not really a film about being on the aggressive it's it's a film about retreating and it's a film about saving people right it's a film about bringing soldiers home and in that in doing that it's one of the rare war films where the enemy is almost entirely unseen there's a couple of like shots of soldiers from the back and they're obscured but you don't see like really any enemy combatant faces and whatever it, it's sort of like not it's not focused in that same way that a lot of other war films are. And I, I just think it's such a cleverly designed thing and such a beautifully executed package. I don't know. I Dunkirk's one of my favorite Nolan movies. It's, it's certainly top three for me, um, which might leave us in a tough spot because I feel like Carson is going to go with Oppenheimer here. I am going to go Oppenheimer. And weirdly enough, like Taylor's argument for Dunkirk like made me realize how much I like Oppenheimer because <laughs> it's like because you were ex tell like if you're if blah the thing is I feel like because he's working with like a nonfiction character and ha already kind of has the character there for him he's able book, to yeah. I feel like go deeper into the form and with like an already established guy and just kind of you know do everything he's wanted to do in one movie like it's already a very i don't know fleshed out story there's i would say it's not a perfect movie there's like too much going on i would argue but mm -hmm. i think like it's definitely him in his most like ex i don't want to say extreme but i don't know his form was just really working on me that movie mm -hmm. uh, especially in like this new era of his films i feel like it's the perfect blend of you know the substance and the style that totally. I don't know. It just really clicked with me. Uh, but I don't know. I, I also, I feel like if I were to rewatch Dunkirk, I might really love it. But at the moment I'm, I'm Oppenheimer pilled. <laughs> Oppenpilled? Oppenpilled. Yeah, I, I, I do, to figure that one out. I do still want to rewatch Oppenheimer. I couldn't get, uh, you know, tickets for like, I think, two more weeks until my my <laughs> first rewatch um just because i, I, I like wanted it. to go back to to lincoln square and also totally. the, the first time i watched it i was operating on like four hours of sleep and i'd been traveling Ooh. and i know it's not like optimal viewing conditions um but i don't know i admire oppenheimer as such a like comprehensive vessel for like Kirsten was saying all of <laughs> Nolan's interests he's sort of able to I don't know have his cake and eat it in Oppenheimer um and it is very much an outlier uh compared to everything else he's done that um like Zach was saying earlier that him actually sort of making a stance on these political themes and not mm -hmm. just um 
I don't know, using them in the same sort of empty gesturing he does in the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but I think he's still got a lot of room to grow in writing these, like, I don't know, uh, ensemble courtroom dramas. Um, mm-hmm. I hate to just, like, compare him to other filmmakers and... You know, I, I've got some problems with Aaron Sorkin, but I do think <laughs> this movie is riffing heavily on the social network in a way that just mm-hmm. like I don't know, rhythmically, energetically, it doesn't have the same uh, punch. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel I feel that social network comparison, but I feel like Oppenheimer is right there for for me. I, I kind of love the the way he writes some of those scenes, but I don't know. I'm still. I'm close to the fence. I still probably am Team Dunkirk. Art, we can't persuade you over to the Dunkirk side of things. The man, he's crazy. He did IMAX for <laughs> Dunkirk to capture everything. And he's like, but what if I IMAXed a face? That's great. <laughs> I do respect that. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. I can I can change my vote to Oppenheimer hey, uh, to, to get us through it. this. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Uh, but we but we fought the good battle for Dunkirk. Uh, we, as as Team Dunkirk as I am, it it would have felt it. wrong to to leave it on the wayside here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But y'all make a point though. Uh, it it is uh, what's his name's favorite movie. So like Quentin Tarantino, it, it's got a lot of love. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to the matchup between The Dark Knight and Tenant. Uh, Arturo, are you going with y'all his need to be for Batman right film? film or the vibe y'all need to be f- serious people oh i'm it gonna is, be serious how far do we take the bit <laughs> look the, it, look the dark knight changed the game i know it's cliche y'all want to go back y'all want to make fun of him. it's the original barbie it is a man coming in <laughs> to take ip and take it to the next level but instead of getting things all bright and colorful this man made things dark and gritty and just changed all of hollywood he had to make mm-hmm. oppenheimer to apologize to the changes that he did the ripple effects and since then, I don't think you've had uh, a, a comic book movie, I would even say a piece of IP, that has been as influential and as impacting as this thing has been. Uh, just the idea of even just the, the titling, to go from Batman Begins to the Dark Knight, how are you supposed to know it's a sequel? You're not. It's a standalone movie that will be here for generations to come. One of the best supporting performances, some of the best cinematography, one of the best scores that I think he's built upon to this day, with that like kind of building crescendo of time, Penny agrees, uh, the Dark Knight all the way. <laughs> that was... That was Caitlin sneezing. <laughs> anyway, so Tenet. Um, yes, please. <laughs> I I can't disagree with the points you're making, but for me personally, I I have Tenet above the Dark Knight. Um, I honestly I think Tenet is my personal favorite Nolan score. Um, I think. Yes, um, talk about that. It's it's over Oppies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your my man yeah. killed it in Oppenheimer, though. Oppie, I don't think is top three for me. Um, Ooh, that's but, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tenet is just this uh, formal extreme um, because the the sort of two worlds I was talking about earlier is you know the populist entertainment and sort of uh esoteric abstraction i think he's he's pushing that abstract quality to its furthest extreme in tenet while still 
ultimately being I hate to say it, but a vibes movie. Uh, <laughs> it's still ultimately a piece of populist entertainment that you can you can just watch and have a good time. But it is so like I don't know, just the the way it it functions should not make sense. It like it mm-hmm. shouldn't work, but it does. And I also think the uh, the sense of like moving backwards as this like uncanny bodily. Uh, process in an otherwise like forward moving environment is such an like is such an unsettling way to communicate like I guess radioactivity which mm-hmm. is basically what it is and basically setting the stage for Oppenheimer uh, yeah. basically two ends of of his nuclear anxieties um, I think I don't know Tenet is probably number two for me Number two Nolan film. Um, Damn. So I, I'm I'm ride or die tenant, but you know I'll I'll seed uh, the floor. Totally. All right. Look, um, Arturo's right that the Dark Knight is this like highly influential masterpiece of superhero filmmaking that's both able to like ground the idea of a, something like Batman in uh, like a modern reality and and it play on these like things that scare us like like uh, domestic terrorism and and chaos and whatever and it just it, it ended up being the film that sort of defined the tone of the most dominant genre of filmmaking for the next decade or so maybe to, maybe still uh, America I'm going with Tenet. Tenet is awesome. Oh, yeah. Tenet, Tenet is unemulatable. There's only one guy who can make things go forward and backward and look awesome like that. It's Christopher Nolan. He crashed the 747 into the Freeport in Tallinn. It is awesome stuff. Um, and yeah, man, th- that score, that score is unmatchable. Th- that's Ludwig Göransson going crazy. Um, I really, really love Tenet. Uh, which leaves the tough choice to Karsten. Karsten, you, you look a little... Dark... Uh... <laughs> I might be tenant-filled. I don't know. Yes! I might... Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> For the bit, I might have to go tenant. But I... I don't know, man. I I do, like... I enjoy tenant as a concept and, like, talking about it. <laughs> But, like, when I, like, think about the actual movies themselves, I do think The Dark Knight is, like, incredible and pretty much flawless to me. Just stepping back for a second. Um, forwards and backwards, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as well as forward. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I You know what? Just because it's today, I'm going to say Tenet. Uh, because if we're speaking, like, Christopher Nolan... <laughs> <laughs> I just what's, what's today? I feel like causing some chaos. I I think it's I like what you guys had to say about it. And I do feel like it's it's the one that like got me to I don't know. You know, when I watch The Dark Knight, it's like I really like it. And when I think about Christopher Nolan, I kinda like I roll my eyes a bit watching The Dark Knight, but the t- tenant like kinda went won me over on him mm-hmm. as a filmmaker. And I was like, mm-hmm. Alright. He's <laughs> I don't know I don't know. I'm I, I might have to go the Dark Knight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying Which really, is it? trying really hard to defend. Think about it. it but when 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 the plane goes into the building, that's cool. But then it's like it's in the building, yeah. you can't really see it. But the semi, 360 view, like 
for Chicago, I have to go you know what? Dark Knight. You. You, know? <laughs> you, know, you know what's up. Uh, All right. Uh, so, again, we're stuck two to two, so we have to go to our, our time-tested scientific tiebreaker method. Uh, Caitlin, what's the what's your favorite? Dark Knight. Yes! There we go. There we go. No. Hang out, with her. Hang out with her more, Zach. She knows what she's talking about. Uh, uh, betrayal. Oh, we'll have to talk about this later. Um, Tenet. Zach starts sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dark Knight sneaks by, but we'll ev- oh. forever have Tenet. What, what's, geez, what's the line? I should have I should have the line ready uh, with uh, that Robert Patton says to David Washington at the end. Whatever, we'll get it later. We'll put it, picks it in post. Uh, so Dark Knight sneaks into the semi, or the uh, yeah, semifinals, and we're at our last quarterfinal matchup, Memento versus Inception. Uh, his low-budget indie original idea or his blockbuster $100 million budgeted original idea. Uh, two very different ends of the Nolan spectrum, even if they definitely feel um, thematically connected in some ways. Karsten, between Memento and Inception, which one do you prefer? It's so, it's funny because the way I was describing Memento is like a thing I could play with and then put down and never thinking about again. Like that's kind of what Inception is or was like when it came out. I feel like everyone was just like, what does it all mean? And, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a bigger, more exciting, more compelling version of Memento personally. I, I know they're very different, but like, yeah. I kind of get the same fix out of the two. Um, I personally think, I, at least before Oppenheimer came around, that like Inception was like the Christopher Nolan movie, um, mm-hmm. and like it kind of does everything he tries to do in in pretty seamlessly, uh, and is just a lot of fun in the process, like super accessible, I would say. Uh, but so yeah, I think I'm an Inception guy at the end of the day. Nothing against Memento. I don't dislike Memento, but uh, this might be yeah. this might be an interesting uh, opportunity to ask what was your like introduction to Christopher <laughs> Nolan as a filmmaker? Because I feel like between The Dark Knight, Memento, and Inception, that was a lot of people's entry point. Um, at least, like considering our, our general age range here. Like for me, mm-hmm. I I I go back to like being a uh, preteen interested in film and scrolling the IMDb top 250 and seeing Memento I think it was at number 14 at the time and, and right. catching it and then having my mind blown and forever just kind of uh, charting his path but uh, was The Dark Knight your first Chris Nolan movie was it Inception it was Inception for me nice nice uh, yeah. uh, do, you, do you feel like that has any influence over which I movies think... you think are better <laughs> I think it might. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's a bit of a classic in my mind, yeah. or at least in my own film journey. Like it was one of the first movies that I was like pretty affected by. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I, I also think Memento. While Inception was the first film of his that I had seen, like I saw Memento in film school, and it was also one of the earliest Christopher Nolan movies I had seen, and that was similar, I guess, to Tenet. Was when I started like kind of paying a bit more attention to what he was doing and i think totally that that speaks to what the film pulls off like i don't know i still inception though yeah (laughs) taylor do you remember what your first nolan movie was yeah technically it was um 
I mean, it was Batman Begins, but my first Batman Begins experience was uh, one Thanksgiving. My uncle like pirated it, and we watched <laughs> the first like ten fifteen minutes before, or I don't know how long we got in before there was dialogue. But it was it was overdubbed in Chinese, <laughs> and like we tried just going along with it. We tried troubleshooting it, and like yeah, like ten fifteen minutes in, we just threw in the towel and like. It was probably another few days before I saw it, but that was <laughs> technically my my first experience, which would <laughs> uh, foreshadow uh, the the tenant, the infamous tenant web rip. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, Christopher Nolan. It's hard to track like when I kind of became aware of him because I was pretty young when Batman Begins came out. Mm-hmm. I obviously wasn't like privy to directors at that age and so i think Mm -hmm. i had a similar experience once i like got into film and like scrolling the imdb top 250 and i probably watched memento for the same reasons um and so i didn't see inception when it came out um partly because um it was just so oversaturated and also partly because you know i I couldn't drive and (laughs) i don't i just didn't ask my parents to take me um so i my only inception experience for years was watching it on my laptop in high school and so it's it's been pretty low on my my rankings since then um i'm sure part of it was just me being a contrarian back in the day and uh but last week i was thinking like you know i I really ought to give inception a rewatch it's a shame it's not like like i can't have that theatrical experience Mm -hmm. happenstantially I scrolled on on Museum of the Moving Images website, Damn, and it just bro. so happened that the day after I was having this thought, they were playing Inception in seventy millimeter. <laughs> so I saw it last Damn. week, and it's um, I, I think it overtakes Memento for me. Really, uh, I think where like Memento versus The Prestige are like two very different movies, and I I love the simplicity of Memento. I think Inception is just taking exactly what he did in memento and expanding it um on such a grander level that's also a lot more in touch with um what i was saying about like alienation uh from the people around him specifically because of the creative process i think um this time around i was a lot more aware of like the matrix parallels that inception has Mm -hmm. um you know all this talk about leap of faith and and choosing your reality but it's sort of the inverse matrix because they're choosing the fake reality over actual reality and the the real like i don't know decisive moment is like in order to get out of limbo you have to permanently accept this idea that uh you know your reality is is not is perhaps not real and living with that uncertainty and so you know the whole movie they're shooting his kids from behind they're sort of abstracted from him he's alienated from it and i think this serves as a very clear allegory for chris nolan as this like kind of stickler for for filmmaking his own kids have likened him to reynolds woodcock um (laughs) i think it's 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 sort of similar to james cameron in avatar 2 and sort of reckoning with like being a craftsman first and a father second which i, I don't want to like read too much into his family relationships i know mm-hmm. the, the I Reynolds agree with thing was in jest but i i think he 
is very much harboring these emotions and you know as we'll probably talk about more with interstellar like missing out on moments in his his kids childhoods because he's so immersed in this world but again he's he's like the the batman of blockbuster filmmaking it's a a duty he has to to abide by um and i i think inception was the uh the first of his like really reckoning with that alienation um and so that's that's why i put it over memento Awesome. So I think that's two votes for Inception. Uh, my vote is going to Memento. Uh, Art, I think you also said that Memento is your favorite, Nolan. Uh, yeah, I think it would have been what I started with. Uh, uh, I was a wee lad in the 90s looking for Tarantella at the library, but then soon after when I grew up, I also I went to Blockbuster, gave the dude the 150, 250, whatever the list was. He gave me Memento and Prestige the same day. So that was like my combo for that weekend, and that's where I started with it. I did get to see Batman Begins in a uh, drive-in theater. I saw The Dark Knight in Texas right before going to Mexico on an IMAX screen. <laughs> That's why I'm an IMAX ho yeah, damn you're near. Such a, you're such that a Batman guy. I'm surprised that you uh, caught those other ones before uh, Batman Begins. Well, I mean, they were, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and then towards the end of it, I think from Dark Knight, Inception on, I've seen all of them in theaters. But for here, I do agree with what Taylor's saying. Uh, Inception is like the special effects version of Memento, whereas Memento's a little bit more stripped down. But they are technically the same movie in where it's two guys who are lying to themselves, trying to like change their own narrative of what they want it to be. I'm one who believes like Inception is a double job. It's not just them trying to incept the idea for the, you know, the, the, the boss's kid. I also do think it's a job being done on the main character in order for him to realize, you know, that kind of meta-ness that Nolan's always dealing with of whether he's going to stay with his family or not. But I just think Memento's so stripped down. Uh, and I, that's like one of the first scripts that I studied that I, I, I still have to give it to that one. But I think Inception might be the thing that he's recognized with the most right next to The Dark Knight in terms of imagery. Yeah, Definitely. I was almost a little surprised that Inception wasn't uh, number one over Interstellar. That feels like for a lot of people, the moment when Christopher Nolan became like Christopher Nolan, not just guy. He was who... on his eye game, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Inception. Um, Letterboxd came out, what, 2013? Right. So that would make sense, too, for Interstellar. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that actually popularity. plays a big part in why the prestige and Inception aren't um, higher than you'd probably expect. For Although sure, for the sure. Dark Knight is pretty high. I'm actually surprised Interstellar is number one over uh, the Dark Knight, even with the recency yeah. compared to. Uh, it's a lot of people like that one. I didn't realize how many like film students and like people who don't even care about movies. When you like ask them what their favorite sci-fi movie is, mm -hmm. they all say Interstellar. Oh yeah. So there's something about this new generation where that movie just hit for them. Yeah, that's another th phenomenon that I, I found uh, in film school. A lot of people I went to film school with uh, say that it was Nolan films that inspired them to go there, which I don't know if uh, a lot of people who are, are going through film school are going to find themselves working with Nolan budgets anytime soon. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we are at a deadlock once again. I don't know if anybody is feeling fe very fence-city right now. Otherwise, we can uh, return to Caitlin for one more tiebreaker. Maybe. All right, Caitlin. Sell it. Memento. Memento. Damn. All right. What cool. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 
there's a reason that I'm with her, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I keep picturing Karsten with Memento and it's that Andy meme where he's like, I don't want to play yeah. with you no more. <laughs> That's how it feels. All right, so Memento wow. sneaks into the semi-finals of our Chris Nolan bracket. Uh, let's go back to Interstellar versus Oppenheimer. Karsten, which side of the fence do you land on for this matchup? I've never been a big Interstellar guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I need to. I maybe I was like young and in like high school when I first heard about this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was not into it. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm just not the guy here to ask. I I'm not the Chris Nolan expert here, uh, but I do really love Oppenheimer and think. A lot of what we're... I mean, if I'm not going to bat for Inception, I guess I'll do it for Oppenheimer. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be Inception. Like, I think that's the closest to Inception as far as, like, the best Chris Nolan movie for me. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, like I Geek mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think it, it it's... Uh, I don't want to say the cleanest, but I, I love the edit the most. I mm-hmm. think it, it pulls off the edit at least, the, the best of any of his films, um, given... or what it was given at least uh yeah i yeah i just i i think it blends everything i love about him pretty well and i've i i did i do have my flaws with it but i feel like the more i've sat with the film the more i've grown to love it and think a lot of the things i didn't like about it actually kind of work in its favor like i wasn't i'm like in the minority in that i was not crazy about the third act when i saw it and now i'm like that's i feel like the third act is what has Yep. made it so mm-hmm. affecting and like why i keep thinking about it so i i just mm-hmm. i think it's i don't know it's it's the film of his that is uh left the biggest impression on me which i know is the absolutely not what taylor feels <laughs> but i'm like <laughs> personally i i think it's his most one of his most emotional to me yeah least. i don't know yeah i want to return to what you were saying about the editing because I, I also was really really struck by it and it's something that i think you see glimpses of in in tenet uh, when his collaborations with Jennifer Lame started, but I think you really, really feel it in Oppenheimer, where he has this ability to just blend several scenes together, where scenes start, and new scenes, uh, some scenes stop, and new scenes start, and it kind of just flows in a way where it's like unbroken 10 to 15 minute sequences that just sort of uh, propel you through history and it, it's really really remarkable stuff just to have that kind of um, edge of your seat urgency in a bio- biopic about events that happened nearly 100 years ago so there's a lot I really really love about Oppenheimer but Interstellar I also revisited uh, that was one of the movies I made sure to revisit before uh, doing this bracket and like Art was talking about uh, I, I it grew so much in my uh, estimation I, I think I was I approached it less cynically for sure but I you had uh, penny yeah exactly I, I had a, <laughs> a, a dog to in my life who I love very much and and I now know about the power of love so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm weak um, no I mean there's it is a really remarkable film too and uh just his the ability he has to stage certain sequences, particularly like uh, the docking sequence in so many ways is like a precursor to that whole atomic bomb sequence, particularly how he loves to uh, crescendo the sound and then bring it back down to nothing and and really is able to make the most of silences in uh, his films. So uh, 
a lot to really love about both these films. I'm not sure I'm ready to make my decision, Art. Which, you have uh, which to, one bro. are you going to go with? I think they're both fantastic movies. I really love Oppenheimer. Uh, it could be the bias that I have for it right now, which makes me almost want to put it over Interstellar. But Interstellar's been out for a decade. I got to see that. That was one of my first 70mm IMAX movies. I damn near had a heart attack. And I think it stood the t- test of time. I'm going to go Interstellar today. All right, so that's one for Interstellar, one for Oppenheimer. Taylor, I think that's an- going to be another one for Interstellar. Yeah, definitely for Interstellar. Um I, I saw it when it was in theaters, and it blew my mind, and then I, you know, probably haven't seen it in, like, eight or nine years at this point, so I, it kind of, I didn't sour on it or anything, it kind of mm-hmm. just, like, drifted from my, my consciousness, but in thinking about Oppenheimer, that was what got me to realize, um, and I, I'm doing a rewatch, but I, I think I have Interstellar at number one, personally. Hmm. Um, I think... Wow those those themes of like alienation from his kids we were talking about with inception are just like cranked up to 10 in interstellar like inception ends with kind of a cheeky like oh what's reality but interstellar is like this this cry of anguish that i don't think um he's really achieved in any of his other films and i know talking about like tenet and dunkirk um i've been in the camp of like is more personal pathos driven movies are, are kind of holding him back but I think Interstellar is the exception to that where it, it really is that transcendent I never got the hate for the the love transcends time <laughs> quote um, I was always pro um, yeah I, I don't know I, I again I gotta rewatch it to get more into specifics but I for me Interstellar is number one and also yeah huh? I'm I'm on the fence between Tenet and Interstellar for for best score. Tenet or Interstellar? Okay. Yeah, I mean the, that's Zimmer, right? That that Interstellar score that's is really Zimmer, remarkable yeah. as well. The organs. Yeah. All right. So that is another Interstellar vote, and uh, I don't know. I guess I'm enough on the fence that I'm comfortable giving my vote to Interstellar here, even if maybe Oppie has my heart. Uh, what would I, Caitlin I, said? Hey, Caitlin, what would you have said? Interstellar or Oppenheimer? Ooh, so oh, we're... you said Interstellar. That's crazy, though. That's <laughs> yeah. <insane>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and put uh, Interstellar into our Chris Nolan finals, where it will go up against either The Dark Knight or Memento. Arturo, you're the the biggest Batman fan I know, but are you going to go against The Dark Knight here? Yeah, Memento. Dark Knight sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It, it's your favorite Batman movie, or am I misremembering that? Dark Knight, yeah, Dark Knight, and the Batman that got really close. I know every year there's yeah. like a new Batman movie, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's the best one." Batman, the Batman got really close to the Dark Knight for sure. The Memento, I still think, is his best written movie. I think it's his best directed thing. And outside of these movies, I would have instead of a short. I told Zach, let's put him explaining Memento on that whiteboard. <laughs> I think that should go up here as one of his videos. <laughs> so I'm gonna, uh, I'm going Memento for this one. Yeah. A truly iconic piece of Christopher Nolan material, but uh, all right, Memento, one vote for that. Karsten, I think you were our biggest anti-Memento guy, so uh, I assume I'm you're not, going hey, with the Dark hey. Knight here. Hey. You hate I fucking hate Memento. Moss. Words in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't even use sticky notes. It's crazy. <laughs> I no, yeah, I love the Dark Knight. Um, it's. A lot of my favorites have gotten kicked off the bracket already, so I'm really... Oh. 
I'm not I'm super passionate about the Dark Knight, but I do like it a lot more than uh, Memento. I mean, like I, I, I mean, it's it is actually no. I was gonna say it's like one of his least personal, but I know there's like a lot of arguments to be made why it is very personal. But I think mm-hmm. like all that aside, I think it's just a really entertain. It's entertaining and uh, probably. I don't know my favorite superhero movie which is not a hot take but it's like (laughs) (laughs) what i would want out of something like that it's either that or like the the 60s batman it's like either side of the spectrum (laughs) um yeah i don't know i i really i like it a lot so i think i'm gonna say the dark knight Dark Knight does have the family thing too. Like he's like, "Can I be with Rachel, or is my duty going to be like?" It's a through exactly. line, really heavy in his movies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It, it it really bridges the gap between like, you wouldn't really think to put the Batman movies in conversation with the more like that too. Yeah, self reflexive movies about filmmaking, but I, I do a, think it is an omnipresent through line. He's a video vigilante. That's who Nolan is for us. <laughs> yes. Uh, Taylor, are you going to also vote with The Dark Knight? No, I'm, I'm voting Memento. Um, I, I like The Dark Knight a lot, Let's but go. I don't. for whatever reason, I've never, like, I don't know, responded to it the same way uh, most oh, wait, people I disagree seem there. to. I mean, I, I, <laughs> it's definitely the best Dark Knight uh, trilogy movie. It very well could be the best uh, superhero movie. But for whatever reason, I think the the first act just like I've I've always struggled to buy into it, and like once it I get they're like setting the the stage or whatever, and like once it hits the ground running, it's it's kind of nonstop. But I don't know for whatever reason, I've just always been kind of lukewarm on the Dark Knight. Um, or it, that's harsh. I I like it a lot, but Memento is yeah. like well top three. Dark Knight is this movie that had so much effusive love thrown its way, particularly because it was this like early apex for the superhero genre and this this piece of evidence that superhero films could be like treated more substantively and that they are they could reach the heights of this type of filmmaking. I think a lot of people were surprised by what the Dark Knight was able to do, given its its confinements or its constraints if that's what you want to call it the the th- boxes that it has to check um there's yep. a lot to really really love and appreciate about the dark knight i think like the first two thirds of it for me are about as close as we'll get to a perfect superhero film um but i just for, i will always sort of like have a, a ceiling with stuff like that and and memento is a film that exceeds that ceiling i just really respond to what he's doing in that film so uh we'll put memento into our finals for the best chris nolan movie bracket where it faces off against interstellar taylor you just said that interstellar is your number one chris nolan movie so uh why do you think it deserves to win this bracket um, again, just that that anguish. I think um, I, as much as I respect the um, Oppenheimer aside, the direction his his career's gone and embracing technique and form. I think Interstellar was this very like therapeutic film for him and sort of getting all this off his chest and sort of enabling him to enter this this newer phase. Um, yeah, maybe Oppenheimer kind of. Uh, negates that that point um because mm-hmm. he's tapping into a lot of the same things there but it just it it 
has always landed better for me with Interstellar. Um, I say always. Oppenheimer just came out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Same like same bag of Nolan tricks, time dilation. Um, I, I don't know. Just the the image of him screaming through the bookshelf is so like that's the the Nolan through line. That's like what I think all his other work is sort of emotionally built around. And I mm-hmm. think Interstellar does the best job um, expressing that. Definitely. All right. So that's a vote for Interstellar. Art, why do you think Memento should win this bracket? Uh, I think it has been one of the most cohesive scripts that he's written. I think it's his tightest script. I think, uh, as we mentioned, it's almost like the blueprint for what he was able to use for a lot of his other stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in Interstellar, Taylor had mentioned the scene with the, the bookshelf. I think that scene that everyone memes and uses as a gif where he's crying after the video message i think we're i don't know this last decade or so we're we're so y'all may know the word for it we do react to his emotions but we'd rather laugh at it and use it as a mm-hmm. reaction gif than oh, to like really attachment yeah, yeah we're all this irony that we have instead of like no that's that i think is his most profound the most emotional he's been in all of his movies because as we've been saying if a lot of these films where he's working on this art this duty that he feels if they're almost still love letters to his kids that's him crying on screen Bimimental is the best thing that he's done I think it's one of the one of, I know it's not his debut but one of the strongest early films to have I think it's one of the best performances from uh, Guy Pierce that he's ever had in a movie uh, I think the use of black and white something that we end up seeing in Oppenheimer later uh, is excelled here the timing uh, just the way that the you can read the script forwards and backwards it's better than Tenet like it's got everything mm-hmm. going for it for a Christopher Nolan movie for a movie in general and I'm picking Memento alright one for Memento one for Interstellar Karsten you've <laughs> you've talked about your great indifference to both these films <laughs> Love both these movies quite a bit. Yeah, uh, uh, but now you got to pick one for the best Chris Nolan film. I am gonna go. I, <laughs> I am gonna go with Memento. Uh, oh, okay. Whoa! For I know, hey hey um, <laughs> just it's the close, <laughs> it's the closest to Inception I have here. Um, again, I, I was like a a high school boy when I saw Interstellar and was like just not there uh in my life for that movie i totally i i think i would like it a lot more here but just speaking for myself today memento is like very up my alley as far as like what i want out of a christopher no christopher nolan movie uh yeah yeah and it does feel like a film that is very much tied into like who he is and what he's great at and, and what we right, think right. of when we think of Christopher Nolan. So maybe it is an apt winner for the Chris Nolan movie bracket. Um, not what I expected, I'll be honest. When not I, what I expected either. <laughs> this is even not what I expected. Even though I love that film. But yeah I'm, yeah, I'm glad to have a little bit of support in my uh, appreciation for <laughs> Memento. But a lot of really great films. Um, Memento, the winner of the bracket. But is it the most Christopher Nolan movie? Carson, do you think uh, there's another movie that's more Christopher Nolan than this, this one? I think Tenet is probably the most Christopher Nolan movie, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, but maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, Taylor, uh, yeah. you agree? Um, I don't know. I think maybe Inception is, is the most Christopher right. Nolan, even though like I've, I've talked about Tenet as like reverse-seared Inception. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which 
you know, mathematically should make it more Christopher Nolan, but I don't know. Uh, gets inverted. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I think whatever the most Christopher Nolan means, I'm, I'm feeling Inception on this one. <laughs> Maybe it's recency bias, because uh, my third eye opened last week, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor's going to see all the movies that the Museum of the Movie gets. <laughs> oh, I, I hope so. <laughs> Except uh, Insomnia. Uh, yeah. No, I hope Oppenheimer plays it for you. I would also <laughs> say Inception with Taylor because it's got one, the bomb. I think it went beyond the movie. Mm. It went into the trailers. I think it's got the dark and grittiness that the Dark Knight had because everybody wanted to have that. Uh, the time reversal like Tenet. I keep telling you Tenet's a 007 movie. Inception's a 007 movie. He's admitted that he took sequences from, like, Russia with Love and everything else in there. Uh, And I also think it's one of his strongest ensembles until Oppenheimer. But in Oppenheimer, they're never, like, all in the same room together like that. Um, So I think Inception is his most Nolan movie that there is. All right, well... Uh, we've come to some big decisions about Christopher Nolan's filmography, and I'm uh, glad we had y'all on to help us. Thanks again, Taylor and Karsten. Karsten, I know uh, you've got to run. Um, I don't know if you want to leave us with uh, anything you got working on, something you got coming out soon before you go. Uh, for now, honestly, I'll just say check out my YouTube channel, Karsten yeah. Runquist. And that's about it. Yeah. Thanks right, for man. having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for hanging with us. Appreciate it. Bounce, but All thank right. you. <laughs> See you guys. Yeah, yeah no worries. We'll, we'll talk on Twitter later. <laughs> yep. Peace. Awesome. Bye-bye. Uh, I did want to get into a little bit the idea of Christopher Nolan and his use of sound, which has been one of the things that uh, people have derided him for or, or uh, just sort of like made fun of him about uh, as movie after movie has uh, been like for a while harder and harder to hear uh Oppenheimer probably being the corrective to that in that it's very crisp even though it has like a very overwhelming sound mix uh Taylor have you been frustrated with the way that Nolan implements sound in his movies or, or do you actually appreciate it I I think it's it's essential to the don't try to understand it just mm-hmm. feel it mentality um and it's it's so funny that Tenet came out and everyone was like, this movie sounds like shit. And then <laughs> in just like a random interview, someone asked like, you know, oh, Christopher Nolan, what's your favorite part of the filmmaking process? And he's like, oh, probably sound mixing. Um, I <laughs> no feel like, way. No <laughs> yeah, way. <laughs> just his, his uh, doubling down on that. Um, I, I have troll. to respect it too much. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pro. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Are you have more problems with it, or you have grown to uh, like it as well? Well, you know, I just I like watching a lot of things with subtitles once it's at home, so it's like I totally. don't expect it to be an issue eventually. I think it just makes sense. Whether I'm for it or against it is kind of irrelevant. You know, it's like, does it yeah. make sense for a filmmaker who wants to do things on film, who wants to capture things at the moment, doesn't want special effects? Mm-hmm. Uh, Doodle Bob, Doodle Bug. I think that Doodle was Bob. the reason why he was like, you know what? I'm never gonna do special effects again. <laughs> um, but for a dude who wants everything so old school, so natural, I yeah, that leads you to a guy who's like, what's the most authentic way? Even if it's like difficult to like listen to, it's it's like a guy who's obsessed with coffee, mm-hmm. telling a newbie, you gotta drink it black. This Ethiopian beans from over there, they're gonna be like, no, this is too bitter for me. I think he's just so far a- ahead of it 
for what he wants it to feel like and sound like that he's not paying attention to like what it should sound like. They always talk about Foley. Right. Foley shouldn't be the sound of the horse. It should be what you think a horse sounds like. It should be what you think a punch mm-hmm. sounds like. Nolan's like, nah, I want to I wanna go above and beyond even if it's not for a mainstream audience. But uh, I think people catch up to it. Yeah, totally. And I think that often people forget that, you know, film is a medium that is sound and video it's it's not either isolated and it's not like you're hearing these sort of garbled voices without seeing what's going on as as you were mentioning art like there are diegetic reasons for uh the obscured sound whether it's the masks that tom hardy frequently wore in his movies or or other sort of just like loud noises reasons but i often think about like the dialogue in a chris nolan movie similar to the way that i feel about speed reading i was taught that in order to speed read what you should do is you should take your finger and put it on the page and just sort of like guide it down the page faster than you can read so you're kind of only grabbing quick glimpses of the words so you're maybe not like understanding every single word that's on the page but you get the bigger bigger picture and that's how I always feel with Chris Nolan movies I I don't know if I uh, could transcribe all the dialogue in his films but I could tell you what's happening in the stories and that's ultimately all I really need Visually, wouldn't it be like a close-up? Like, you're watching something, and if you didn't pick it up with your eyes, the filmmaker will, like, close up or give you, like, a flashback or something? Mm -hmm. Because there are moments, like in Oppenheimer, where you see a flashback to someone passing, and you quickly see hands. That gives you an entire other thing. Uh, I Mm -hmm. came out of it seeing people claim that they saw it. I'm like, no, that was in the movie. They're like, no, I think I saw something. I have a theory. I'm like, no, that's in the movie. So the same way visually you think you saw something, maybe you think you heard something or maybe didn't hear something. So it's just another side of that coin of like how you how you deal with the audio is also how you deal with it visually. Totally. Uh, and you know, now that we have uh, seen Oppenheimer recently and he's uh, out there working on whatever is going to come next, Taylor, is there anything that you're hoping for from the next Chris Nolan film? Are you hoping for a return to the vibes of Tenant or, or the scale of something like Interstellar? Or are you happy for him to kind of work into like historical route that something like Oppenheimer was in? Um, I, I think I'd probably want him to lean more into the, the vibes of Tenet. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's It's hard to like predict where he's going from here just because I feel like Oppenheimer was him getting so much off his chest um, in the same way Interstellar was um, you know Tenet he's not really saying anything he's just mm-hmm. like curating this experience and I think that's probably the most longevity he'll have um, I don't know I, I guess that's all I can really like conceive of him him doing down the line if he wants to lean more into the the courtroom drama stuff um more power to him i'd respect it but um i'm i'm team vibes absolutely do y'all care about his 007 movie I mean, I'd be here for it. He's a guy who has the ability to pull off, like, big-scale action filmmaking in a way that is actually exciting, that feels practical and and on the edge of danger in the way that I appreciate for action films. He he already loves the protagonist in a nicely fit suit. All the pieces are there. But would you rather him do his own stuff instead of being, you know, all the tentacles that come with a franchise? Yeah, that's fair. Um, Or is he the guy to come fix it? Well, Taylor, what do you think? Well, I I honestly think Tenet is 
such a 007 movie it almost feels <laughs> redundant you. for him to actually <laughs> i agree yeah. make one yeah. within the the ip um that said i i am curious to see what he'd do um sort of going back to like i guess oppenheimer isn't really like it, it, this like tenet it obviously is sci-fi logic you can't make a james bond movie in the, unless you know the villain made this death machine that makes everything go in reverse but i basically i'm i'm just curious to see how he would like take a lot of those formal approaches and apply them to just like a a grounded action movie without the sort of liberty to do these physics bending things mm-hmm. totally so um, and just going to the Bond element of it, it's such a, like, malleable franchise that I feel like even though I love Nolan's ability to play in an original world, I don't think it would be too restricted by the Bond elements of it. Like, like we've both been saying, like, Tenet is close enough to a Bond film that he clearly can kind of do something in that mode. So I'd be happy to see it. I'm just generally happy to see anything from Christopher Nolan. He's a filmmaker who, even when I don't particularly love his work. I, I really do find things to enjoy about it. It's become one of the more uh, consistently rewarding filmmakers to watch even if, you know, he's not a guy who comes to mind when I think of, oh, like, who's your favorite filmmaker? But I really, really love his movies. Um, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for, like, you know, there's a reason he's so many people's introductory director, um, because his the- movies are so like there's such mass appeal Uh, they're Mm -hmm. kind of for everyone but they still have all these like very meticulous qualities that are rewarding on rewatch and and further Mm -hmm. study um and just his ability to to have it both ways i do think the the closest comparison is spielberg i was gonna say yeah is that the the right guy to bring up yeah no for sure because he, they are both these like great entertainers who do have ability to like transcend that and make great art. But first and foremost, they are are great at doing the blockbuster filmmaking for an audience. Yeah, especially earlier when you guys were mentioning this idea, like he's always grappling with that emotion, the masses. But then he's also kind of like a scientist. And then obviously all the retroactives with uh, Spielberg, especially after Fablemans, is this idea of like, yeah, the dude with the mother who was an artist and the father who was a scientist. You kind of see those battling out in every one of his movies and going through an entire bracket of Nolan kind of has the same thing. So I, I could I could definitely see that he is. Yeah, he's the gateway director for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, it's a lot of fun to talk about Christopher Nolan with the both of you and uh, Carson as well, who we uh, enjoyed talking with. Yeah. Gone to the uh, doodle bug dimension or something like that. Uh, Taylor, what you got going on? Uh, Are you uploading scratch off anytime soon? What should we look forward to? So my my NYU thesis film scratch off is going to hit the Internet one of these days, probably in the next week or so. you know, possibly by the time this is uploaded. Um, if so, I'll, I'll send you the link if uh, you want to include that in the yeah, description. Sure. Um, that's that's the main thing I've got going on right now. Um, obviously, still doing just the regular YouTube stuff. I don't really have a consistent schedule, but you know, I'll I'll have something out sometime soon. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's it from me. 
<laughs> Always looking forward to your there. uploads. Yeah, I really loved your uh, Asteroid City one recently as well. So Thank yeah. definitely people should check that out. Um, Arturo, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Movies on Twitter, YouTube, Letterboxd, all that good stuff. X, sorry. Or every week here <laughs> on the Intercut Podcast. Yeah, uh, I'm Zishevich on Twitter and various uh, social medias and at Multiplex Show on YouTube and TikTok. And you can find every episode of the Intercut Podcast here on YouTube or streaming on uh, various podcatchers as well. We upload new episodes every Monday and be sure to uh, head over to Apple Music, iTunes, whatever you want to call it to give us that much requested five star review also follow our various social media platforms at intercut pod where you can get updates throughout the week from arturo from taylor from me from all the guests that we feature here on intercut maybe karsten as well uh thanks again for tuning in and until next time i'll see you at the beginning friend that's the quote that i was trying to, nice. to reference yeah. earlier yeah <laughs>